Hey guys, hope all is well. I'm so excited to start the podcasting with John Hardafiris of Gen Z Hoops. We're going to start with background about you, John, and your podcast. So kick it off. Here we go. Oh, for sure, Lee. Thanks so much for having me on. Really excited to be here and, and super excited to see you go off on this podcast journey and be a part of it. Um, so really, excited, obviously, pumped to be here and talk about everything, the things I've been doing, the things, you know, we've been talking about, obviously, for a lot. We, we became friends a little while ago. It's fun to always just talk hoops. Basically, to talk a little bit about, my, about myself, um, I'm from New York City, go to Brew College. Um, I'm a junior there now. And my whole thing is getting to the sports industry, right, which everyone wants to do. But the thing is, not a lot of people take the steps needed to get there. And they just say they want to go into sports, but they don't really take necessary action to, to make that those dreams a reality for them. So what I have really started doing when I, when I was a freshman in college was I started coaching at Xavier High School, which is where I graduated from high school. Um, I played one year of varsity basketball there because I was the first person to ever make it after being cut um, from the freshman J, uh, JV and varsity teams three consecutive years. So that, that's something that always meant a lot to me. Um, and going back to coach there obviously means the world to me. And, and um, actually, um, just by chance, um, it's pretty funny, coincidentally, um, I was actually back there these past few days because our season um, just kind of got restarted where we're able to work out. We're hoping that there's actually a schedule coming out soon. We're able to actually play some games, but really excited about that and how that's going to shape up for us. So that's kind of was my main thing for two years, really focusing on coaching at Xavier. And then when the pandemic hit, I realized I got to step my game up, but I have all this free time. I don't want to just sit around and watch Netflix. I want to make sure I'm the best version of myself. And then when I come out of this, I have something to look back on and say, okay, wow. You know, in the last year in the quarantine, I did that. And uh, the, the year the year anniversary is coming up soon. It's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, next month, um, right, right um, March 11th will be the one year since Rudy Gobert tested positive, which is kind of when the world started to, uh, everything started to shut down for us. So it really all started with me. I, I started, I was uh, helping out my, my really good friend, Jesse K with his Making Lemonade Fund, which he started at the start of the pandemic um, to raise money for, for, for COVID-19 relief. Um, there were th- we, we donated over $120,000 in, in less than, I think, about a month and a half, six weeks um, to the CDC, Direct Relief from Feeding America, which was a great cause. Um, in doing all that, I realized that, you know what, w- w- once we completed that goal, I'm like, it's great that I'm doing all these things for other people's organizations and, and helping out. I got to start my own thing, which is how Big Fellas Basketball was born, which was my podcast originally. Now it's since been rebranded to Gen Z Hoops, where you can find it now um, a- 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 anywhere. It's available everywhere. But really... The whole thing with the podcast was I want to get my name out there. I want to show that I can network with people and talk to people. And it was hard. Uh, Lee, I'm not going to lie. It was very difficult getting it started. And it's something I, I told you, like, it's going to be tough getting this podcast started, but I really can't see where you could take it. Because once you get a few episodes under your belt, that's when it becomes super easy. A lot of people give up after the first few episodes because they start feeling unsure. And I, I felt that way too. Around episode seven, eight, I wasn't able to get guests and it was it really wasn't looking like the show was going to be something. And then I said, you know what? If I send out a thousand connections on LinkedIn every day and I put my all into doing this and, and, and reach out to people, someone's going to say yes. And guess what? It, uh, the first few yeses were Coleman uh, Ayers, a big time YouTube trainer, Alan Stein. And those guys are, are, are my, 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 most people might not know them, but to me, they're a huge deal. And they're, they're people that I really look up to. So once I got them, I'm like, oh, wait, like if, if I'm getting them, like, and now they came on the show and they, they, they're, they're kind of, you know, validating it by coming on to, to, to people in their audience, people that like them, I can keep on growing this. And it's a domino effect. From there, I get some G League assistant coaches. Now those G League assistant coaches, their head coaches see it and go, oh, wow, like, you know, if, if, if my assistant went on the podcast, why can I go on? And that's just a domino effect and how it worked. And it's something that you really have to f- really believe in yourself that you could do it. And it takes a lot of time and effort. 
But but once you really take that dive, Lee, and I'm I'm super excited to see you take that dive, it's gonna really pay off for you. So that's kind of my background as to how I got here. And obviously, there's a lot more that we'll we'll touch on, um, in terms of other other little initiatives along the way. But those are the those are the main things. That's awesome to hear. So let's backtrack on when you were saying about coaching at Xavier High School. So like, what steps have you taken to get to where you are today, at coaching at your former high school, Xavier High School? I mean, this, I mean, I, I touched on it at the beginning a little bit when I spoke about the journey of, of being at Xavier and, and basketball is always a dream of mine. I always wanted to play basketball, but I, I started really late. My, it, it was not really something that was played in my family. So I, I had no real background to it. And I wasn't playing AAU or anything like that. So when I got to the high school level, I, I was really far behind, which ended up in me facing the realization that I wasn't as good as I thought I was, which is something everyone faces at some point, some um, earlier or later than others. So when I realized that, that I, that I wasn't good enough, that's when I uh, started running track and seeing, okay, let me, let me try to get as, you know, let me, I, I just have to try to get better. That's my goal. Um, everyone else is, is focused on, on playing. I'm focusing on developing myself. So it, it was all on player development and getting myself better. Um, and I really had to work really hard to, to go from first cut from being, you know, first cut to freshman year and, and sophomore year to finally see my, my name on the list. Um, my, my, as a junior, because I got so much better during that time. Um, and then finally, of course, making it as a senior, um, all coming full circle. That's kind of the steps I took there because in all honesty, um, coach McGrain, who's been there for 30 years, he's a, he's a fantastic coach, but he's had 30 years of varsity players that he could have asked them to come and coach, um, which is why it was such an honor for me to, to see that he, he recognized the work I put in while, while I was there and saw my work ethic and said, you know what, John might have only played one year for me. There's other guys that played four years for me, right, that played four years of varsity basketball that, that, that I, I know much better. But from that one year, he saw the work ethic and he saw what I, what I, what I, what I would uh, develop into. Um, and I, would, I would hope that, you know, now, now we're in year three of me coaching there. Um, and I, I would hope I'm, I'm living up to that and, and doing the best I can to be the best coach I could be for him and, and his program and helping out in any way I can. But really, that's, that's what it all comes down to is that I, I, I really did my best to leave a good impression and to leave my mark on the school. And it's never something I thought would get rewarded by a coaching job, but it did. And now that, that coaching job is what led me into saying, okay, you know what, basketball can be my career. Um, if it, if I, if it really, it, it's crazy to think about how if I'd given up during that tryout, or if I'd given up on my dream of playing high school basketball, right? That was my dream for, for four years, and I, I finally achieved it. But let's say I gave up on it because I was like, you know what, there's no chance. And that had happened it doesn't just affect my high school basketball career. It affects what I'm doing now. And it affects what I'm going to be doing in five years, 10 years, because to me, basketball is my life and I'm going to be doing it for, for forever. Um, I don't see myself stopping um, any, you know, until, until, you know, the day I die. So if that's the case and basketball is my life, imagine if I'd given up on it before it even started. That, that, it's crazy to think about. And it's crazy how a decision, you know, when you're 16, 17 can impact the rest of your life. But really, that that's kind of uh, those kind of the steps I took to get to get to coaching at Xavier. And then while while there, of course, there's there's so many um, different experiences that kind of made me into a better coach, but also just a better a, a better. Um, I would say um, I, 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 I wear a lot of hats there. Assistant coach is my main is my is, of course, the title. But whether it's big brother to some of, to some of my players, right, in terms of in terms of trying to be their mentor, right, and trying to get them through tough times or being. Um, I mean, there's obviously the basketball terms, whether it's, it's scouting and there's all those, all those other hats of like, okay, I have to, you know, we're a high school program. We don't have 10, you know, 10 coaches on the bench or, or scouts or this. So I, I'm kind of filling all those roles. I'm recording all the games. I have an iPad set up. I'm, I'm managing the managers. I'm, I'm doing all these things. Um, so there's definitely a lot of, a lot of roles to be played, but it's really just, the, those are kind of the steps that, that really prepared me for it, but also showed someone like coach McGrain that I, I'd be ready for the challenge. That's great to hear. So talking about 
Xavier High School again. So, like, what have you learned while being an assistant coach at Xavier? And, like, what can you take away from that? But also, let's not just talk about that. Let's talk about your old podcast, the Big Fellas podcast, when you, and rebranding it to Gen Z Hoops. What have you learned from those podcasts? And what can you say now about them that, that, that you can take away from your past experiences? Well, hundred percent, Lee. There's so much to take from both experiences. I mean, from Xavier, I've obviously learned whether it's X's and O's or, or about the game. I've learned so much from from brilliant basketball minds and everyone that's coaching there. I mean, I'm definitely the youngest person by far, both in terms of age and in terms of experience coaching at any level. Um, everyone else there has been coaching for 20, 30 years, um, is, is is over 50 years old, and has and has you know touched so many lives. That's kind of the biggest thing is that I've realized that it's kind of crazy how I've only been doing this for this is my third year, but I, I, two full seasons where we actually had a team, and I've already touched 30 lives, right? Like there's 30 kids that I I, I coach, and I I, I now every, everyone's so different, and that's kind of the, that's probably the biggest thing I learned is that not, no two players are the same. Like you can look at you can look at their games and see similarities. You can you can look at you can you, there's similarities between everyone, but no one's exactly the same. You can't treat one kid like the way you treat the other because they're all different. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I learned because when I first came in, it was okay. This guy plays like this. Okay, so I'm like like this like like that's just that, that's it. Like that it doesn't go further than that. Or he's a good shooter, so that's like like you can't really put kids in buckets like that. There's so much more to them than, than just their game. There's so much more to them. There's, there's so much going on out in their lives. You need to really tap into. And that's probably my, my biggest, the, the biggest thing I do is I'm that kind of, I, I can relate to them, um, especially being so young. That's my, that's what I, I try to, I try to really hang my hat on is that I can really get down to their level and talk to them and say, look, I was in your shoes. I was in your exact shoes six years ago. I was at this school two years ago. Like I, I know what it's like and I know what you're going through. I know, I know what it's, whether, whatever, whatever it is, whether it's a basketball problem, whether it's a, it's a being for, you know, 14 to 18 years old problem, whatever kind of problem it is. I mean, I don't know exactly how you feel because of course everyone's different and you feel, and, and your experience is different than mine, but I can, I, I can relate a lot better than most other people would. So that's kind of, I really focus on that when, and that's probably what I've learned the most is, is that is how different everyone is and how you really need to, you can't be a cookie cutter approach. A drill that works for one person doesn't work for another person the same way. The same way the words you use to talk to one person is different than the words you use to talk to someone else. Um, a big example of that is that, especially during the quarantine, I've learned, I've learned this tremendously is how important language is. And it's something I mean, I'm even trying to do it on this podcast too, is really be careful with the words I use to describe something because a lot of times we can get very lax with our language. And when you're in person, you have the freedom to do that because you can see someone's face. When I, when I, when I talk to someone and I use a certain way to maybe, we were talking about constructive criticism, right? That's, that's a huge part of coaching. When you give constructive criticism in person, you can see someone's face. You can see how they take it. You can see if you have to change your words up you can see how they're how they're how, how they're accepting what you're saying over text which is how we've been communicating during COVID, during covid or on a zoom call it's very difficult to get that so that's why i i think um communication skills are at a premium right now because it's become so much harder um and as well as the language we're using is, is so important so those are kind of the biggest lessons i learned both at Xavier, kind of in this COVID environment too, but hand in hand with Xavier. And in terms of starting the podcast, I mean, we can go, um, I mean, I, I could talk about this all day, Lee, in terms of um, with the show, it all came, what I learned from the show is that no one's untouchable. Everyone, people want to talk to you. Maybe there's a few that, that are kind of closed off and they don't want, you know, maybe there's a couple of general managers in the NBA that don't want me emailing them. But for the most part, they, they, they're accepting of it. Like they, they might, they might not respond. They might say no, but for the, but no one is completely, there's no chance of me reaching out to them. And if I keep getting the show better, 
the, the chance goes up, right? Is is it, it's obviously very difficult. Let's say let's let's go a huge impossible scenario to get LeBron James on the podcast. But I've already had a few people on the show now, and in, in only the first year, not even it's been it's been eight months since the show started that are second connections to LeBron, right? Coach Saint Jean from the from the from the Lakers. There's there's people uh, South Bay coaches. There, there's people that have coached LeBron that have that have done this. I've already spoken to them now. Imagine five ten years down the line. Is, is would you say he LeBron's untouchable? No, of course it's very difficult. There's a very low percent chance, but I feel like a lot of people shut the door and say I'm never going to get to talk to someone like that, right? And he's LeBron's of course the extreme example. There's so many smaller examples of this. Um, and I use I use him as an example to kind of it kind of gets people's attention a lot of times when I say LeBron because it's like okay, well John, you're not you're never going to get to talk to LeBron James. You can't say that. It's very it's going to be very difficult. It's probably the hardest out of anyone. And it's not about him coming on my podcast. It could just be a conversation or or because that that's kind of when I feel like when you when you when you when you make it to the league, it's like okay, wow, like you're you're talking to, you're talking to players, right? LeBron's the gold standard of that. Um, that's very difficult. I, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but to say that it's, it's to say that it's definitely not going to happen, I would rather go the other way. That it has a chance of happening. There's definitely more than a zero percent chance, um, and that's something you have to look at it way because a lot of people take the negative approach of there's no chance. These coaches don't want to talk to me. I'm 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 only a tw- I'm only 20 years old. I'm a kid. No one's talked to me. If anything, my age is my biggest weapon in terms of communicating with people because people find it interesting that I'm 20 years old and started a podcast. Oh wow, you know you're like well, for for example, I went to a scouting event in Brooklyn when I was 19 last year, and I was I was about to sell my ticket before I went because I was so scared that I was gonna be because totally unprepared. I, I don't know basketball. I, I'm, I'm 19. Everyone there is going to be a professional. And it turned out everyone there was a professional. They were all in their mid twenties working for teams. And I was pretty young, but guess what? That was what was cool about me. That's why the, the guest speaker, Adam Felipe, who, who was on the podcast as well, he took a liking to me because when I raised my hand and asked him a question, I was, I, I was, I was hungry. I was curious. I was young. He thought it was cool that I was a young kid trying to do it and, and, and taking the steps that the, all these older people are taking and, and, and trying to get ahead of the game. So I would say to anyone listening, of course, age is a weapon. That's something that's similar from the podcast for sure, but also that no one's untouchable. Um, you can, you, with, with, with hard work and determination, you can do like literally anything. Um, and, and that's really, that, those are the two biggest lessons I've learned is that really um, you could do whatever you, you, you really, like the, the consistency determined. There's so many words I could throw out. And I, I know I'm getting a little crazy with the language and, 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 and super specific, but there's so much Lee. Um, I, just, I, I can't wait to see you do that with this show. Thank you. And I definitely relate to a lot of that. Like when you said like your age is your weapon, like that's the same with me, like starting a podcast, this one's the first one and 19 years old, like there could be a lot of criticism out there. And like, uh, and like, even with my past experiences, like working for player development coaches like Rico Hines and Chris Berkeley, and also like even when I was a manager back in high school, like I did things that have never been done before. Like I was in high school doing scouting reports and going to other schools and scout. Like people could have thought I was a nobody and I was too young to do it, but it just proves that anyone, no matter how old you are can be as good as someone else. And that's something that you touched upon. I just want to touch upon again. So thank you for sharing that. So for the next question, here's a basic question. I want you to go more in depth in this. Why do you coach? 
Wow. Why do I coach? It's a simple question. You're right. But it, it does. It is a, it is a really extensive answer in terms of why do I coach? I mean, look, the, the basic answer is, I don't know if I would love coaching. I love coaching at Xavier. Right. And that's something I always say. And people always ask me, Oh, John, do you want to coach at, at the college level or coach long-term? And the answer to that right now is, is, is at the moment, that's not what I'm interested in. I, I love coaching at Xavier because it's Xavier and I'm comfortable there. I walk into the gym. I, I feel at home. Right. And that's kind of why I coach specifically. And like that, that's one of, that's one of the biggest reasons, but the, I mean, I would think a big reason too, is, is the connection I get with, with players. It, it really, it's really rewarding to know that they, that they really care about um, that relationship we have with each other. They, they're very, they, that they, that they really take value into it the way I do. Um, some, some don't, of course, some, some, some of them, of course, maybe um, aren't that maybe whether it's not serious about the game or serious about getting better or serious about seeing me as a resource or someone that they can, that they can learn from, or, or that, or even reverse mentoring is very real too. I learn from them all the time. There's so many lessons that they've taught me as well. And, and, and I've made mistakes of course, in being a mentor. And I've, I've maybe said some things, like I said, with language that I shouldn't have said, right. Especially early on. And I've learned from that. Um, and they, they've, they've, of course, they've of course been super, it's a two-way street of a hundred percent, but I would say that, in terms of why I coach, it's really I could give the best story is uh, one of my he, he knows who he is um, one of my one of my big uh, players from last year right he's 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 a he's 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 a big he's a big fella for sure, and he really can't get off the ground very much. But over the summer he was really working on his game and he started he started getting up a little bit he started losing some weight, and one night I get a Facetime super late right and I'm I'm I'm. I'm of course, there's there's a line in terms of how how close you get, but it's the summertime. We're not in season. I pick up and I'm like, hey, Chris, what's going on? And he he's at the park, right? He puts like he's like, John, look, I can dunk, I can dunk. Let me show you. He puts the phone up on the on the against the I guess the fence, um, showing in the showing the court, and goes to show me a dunk. And, and he wasn't close. And and but he comes up to the phone afterwards. He's like, did you see it? I almost got it. I was so close. And I'm like, yeah, and I, yeah, Chris, I saw it. Like it, it's great. And honestly, like see, seeing something like that and knowing that. That he, the first thing he thought of after getting close to a dunk to him was, I gotta call John, right? I gotta let John know, like, like I, I John's gonna, John's gonna appreciate this. John's gonna, like, and John's gonna. I mean, he, he, did he know I was gonna talk about it on a podcast eight months later? No, he had no idea. Um, and if he ever hears this, I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll be very appreciative of the fact that I, that it still means a lot to me. But a, a moment like that is really something that stuck out to me. as like, wow, like that's how much I could touch someone's life. Where, where when it, when when they think of basketball. Maybe I'm not the first thing. I'm, I'm I'm in the mix, right? And that's something that's huge to me, and that's that's one of the reasons I coach for sure. I can definitely relate to that too. Like touching someone's life and like making an impact on them. Like I have experience doing it off the court as well, and like taking a player to dinner, and like it just means a lot to a lot to me. And like being able to see them, like not just on the court but off the court as well. So that's awesome how you brought that up. Here's the next question. What is your coaching philosophy? My coaching philosophy, I mean, as, as an assistant coach, it's not too extensive and it's not something where, you know, I, I, I really have a huge say in, in, in how things get done. But my coaching philosophy, of course, is one of a very, and it might be due to being an assistant coach, is one of being very close to guys and, and really getting to know them. That's something I, I would take a huge premium on. And, and, and it's a question where how, like, you, you have to know that I care about you, right? I'm, I'm not, why, why do I coach at Xavier, right? Like, I mean, I know I just said it about getting, about, I'm kind of repeating the, those values, but I'm asking, I'm asking the question again, and rhetorically, why do I coach at Xavier? It's because I care about these kids, right? I care about, and it's because it's I care about the school. I care about a lot of these things, but I'm not doing it. If I, if I was doing it for the money, trust me, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be coaching. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be doing it. I, that, that, that wouldn't be, that'd be a, a bad, that wouldn't be a good, a good decision for me, right? If I was doing it for the money, because I'm, 
I mean, I, I could just go to the freshman practice and leave and cash my paycheck. I stay for varsity, right? I stay for JV. I go to the other games. I, I go to, I go to every team's game, whatever. If they, if, if, if I'm not playing, if I, let's say I, we, we have Saturday off because we're not playing and the varsity team's playing, I'm getting in my car and I'm driving to go see the varsity play because I love the school and I love, and I love, and I love everyone that that's a part of it. Right. So for sure, that's definitely a, a huge thing, but I would say that my coach, while that's a big part of my coaching philosophy, I do really take a huge, huge premium. And I, I would imagine coaches say this all the time, but, and, and the, everyone would say, let's say for coaching philosophy that you want to play fast. You want to, you want to hustle hard. And everyone would say that, but I think the, the first thing you say is probably the one you take the biggest is, is the one that you emphasize the most. I emphasize, I, I would imagine um, playing where your feet are and kind of like be staying focused, but also having that hard work all the time. I, I mean, I, I, and it's something that, that it's a problem for me a lot of times because, and, and Brandon Steiner, when he came on my podcast, gave me great advice and saying, Hey John, like not everyone's Kobe, right? Not everyone, maybe not, not everyone's you. you if you're a hard worker, not everyone's going to work as hard as you did. And, and you can't hold them to that standard, which is something I, I've learned. I've gotten better at it in, 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 in easing off, but still I, I take a huge premium on, I'm not going to start. If you're, if you're super talented, you're not like, but, but your, but your, but your attitudes, your, you have a poor attitude. I, especially at the freshman level where the pre, where the objective isn't to win games to develop players, you're not going to play. You're like, if, if you, you need to learn how to be a good teammate at that level to, so that you could be a good player at the next level, right? You can't, you can't start off um, at the, at the, at the, at the youth basketball level um, relying on your talent and not relying on how you make others feel, because that, that's kind of how you get up in level is, is how you play your role and how you, how you make, and how you make your teammates feel. And that's how you keep going up. If you can't do that, I'm not going to just play you because so we can win, I'm not trying to win the freshman. I mean, of course, we want to win games, but I'm, my goal in life is not to win a freshman basketball championship. It's to, well, I mean, goal in life is totally, but it, my goal of coaching Xavier is not to win a freshman championship. It's to develop these guys so that they have a successful basketball experience, um, which which doesn't always take into account them winning games. It takes into account them enjoying it, having fun, and being able to look back on the experience and say, wow, you know, like I like my time with Coach John was, was one that I really enjoyed, or my time play, playing for Coach John was one that I really enjoyed. And that's something I think, um, is a big part of my coaching philosophy and making sure that, that all those things happen. That's great to hear. And something that I've learned first semester in my PPE 325 coaching class was this term called Kanai, constantly and never ending improvement. And you just want to keep on improving these players, not really worried about the wins and losses, but worried about just growing them as people and getting them better every single day. And that's something I've learned since when I first heard about the term from my professor first semester this school year. So leading to the next question. So what are your standards for building a championship caliber team or program? And you can align this to with Xavier High School. I'm sorry, can you repeat that really quickly? Yeah, of course. So the question is, what are your standards for building a championship caliber team or program? And you can align this with Xavier High School. Of course, and I try to stay as consistent as possible with the program and, and Coach McGrain and what he's been doing for 30 years and has found so much success in. I would say that the biggest thing is accountability. It's, it's really stressed at Xavier in terms of being accountable. And it's something that I obviously in, in my life, um, it's, something, it's something that I, I, I'm really big on. And you could see it, whether it's, let's say, with the podcast, right? I started off the show one time a week, then it went to three times a week, right, with the interviews. And now we're doing it. It's every day where today is February 12th when we're recording this and the episode's going to post. 
the today was episode I think I believe 43 of uh, of, of Gen Z hoops because it's the 43rd day of the year. I, I, my my goal is to do one every day, and I'm holding myself accountable to that goal. Um, that's something I, I hope to live on my like obviously like practice what I preach and 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 show my players an example of how that works. But accountability is huge, right? If you forget your jersey, you're like we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna go and 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 find you a new jersey just so you can play because you're 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 a star player, right? You forgot your jersey, you're not playing. Um, there's rules, right? If you if you miss a play, let's say for some whatever reason you miss a practice in 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 the in the contract that you signed at the beginning of the year, right? You and your parents both sign. It clearly states if you miss a team practice, you can't play in the following game, right? That that's that, that's the rule. And we don't make exceptions because okay, you're very good at basketball. In the same way we treat the last guy on the bench, the same way we treat our star player. So I think accountability is huge, and and, and it's especially especially at the freshman level, it's it has to be stressed because if if they miss out on it there. They're never going to learn it later on because they, they're going to realize, okay, wow, if I can get away, I can get away with this. No, you can't because we're going to, we, we as a program and especially me as a coach, I'm huge on this. I will hold you accountable for everything you do. Um, and, and it comes into account with the whole idea of, of, of being accountable is it's your fault. And I know Sue Bird has a great story about this when, when she was in college about how her coach told her, no matter what happens, if someone's late, if someone's late, it is your fault. Now, of course, that when you hear about that, it's not really fair. How is someone else being late my fault? And, and for her situation, it's because she was the captain of the team. But th- take that a little further. You, you, you might come to practice late and say, coach, the train was delayed. That's on you, right? I know, I know you didn't cause the train to be delayed. I know if it wasn't delayed, you would have been on time. But it's on you. You have to be accountable to yourself to wake up earlier if you know that there's a chance the train might get delayed, right? You have to account for that. It is on you. Everything that happens... It is 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 on you. It's your fault, and it's not about pointing fingers. It's about taking accountability and not saying we lost the game because of him. And we're pointing fingers. We never that. That's the biggest. That is my biggest as a coach. That that's the one thing. If you were to ask me, what makes you want to storm out of the room or or, or maybe cancel practice like that, that? That's probably a good thing. Kick everyone out of practice and, and practice is over for today. It would be people failing to be account to be to be accountable. And, and that's something to me that I would say if you when you start pointing fingers and and, and not being able to hold yourself accountable for what happens that's grounds for being off the team because you're that, that, that that's killer for team chemistry. It destroys team chemistry. So I'm huge on accountability. I, I know I've said it 50 times already, um, but in terms of let, that's a huge buzzword for me is to when something, like, how much can you look at yourself in the mirror and say, that's on me or, or what my actions, I control my own destiny, right? No one else controls your destiny. You can, can always control your effort and you have to hold yourself accountable to controlling your effort. You can't control shots from going in and out. That happens, right? That's that's there's there's uh, human error. Shots going in and out. You're not accountable for that. That's that's something out of your control. Let's say. But in terms of your effort, waking up in the morning, getting to practice on time, being a good teammate, you are accountable for that every minute of every day because that is hundred percent on you. So, accountability is huge, and I am someone who likes to hold people accountable, and. I will give you four quotes of what I've learned this semester, first semester in my PPE 325 coaching class. Here are four quotes. So the first one is from Anson Dorrance. I don't know if you've heard of her, him, but he is the UNC women's soccer coach. So here's Anson Dorrance's quote. The first challenge in constructing a championship, championship culture is to make them accountable. Almost every discussion I have with freshmen goes back to being accountable. Here's a second quote from Pat Summit, the former University of Tennessee women's basketball coach who sadly passed away a few years ago. Responsibility equals accountability, equals ownership, and a sense of ownership is the most powerful weapon a team or organization can have. The next quote is by Nick Saban. 
who you know of him. He's an Alabama football coach and just recently won the championship against Ohio State. There are three things we, we cannot have. One, we cannot have complacency. Two, we cannot have selfishness. Three, we cannot lose our accountability. The fourth and the last quote I'll share with you is from Lenny Wilkins. The most important quality I look for in a player is accountability. You've got to be accountable for who you are. It is too easy to blame things on someone else. So, basing off those four quotes, I want to hear what you have to say about those four quotes and like how it relates to you and your your basketball program at Xavier High School. Hundred percent. I mean, I, I'm huge on quotes, and I think that those are things that really keep me um, focused. And, and may, I have, of course, a list of of all the quotes that I enjoy, and always look back at them and say, "Okay, like this is this is the quote I need to remember in this moment, right? This is something I have to actually close my eyes and think on." Medi- med- meditation is something that I've always wanted to get into. I'm, I'm really hoping to try to expand on that, but that's something, and it's something we're learning every day, right? How how to, how to get more into into something like that. Um, those quotes are were really impactful. Lee. Thank you for sharing them. And it's something that I, I mean, I'm, I'm of course going to, when I listen back on this podcast, take some notes on them because they, they do they, everything like that, that, that that's it helps with kind of giving that message across at Xavier high school, right? It, whether it's to me, for me to understand it. Cause I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm a no, I'm in no way some kind of guru when it comes to being accountable. Right. I, I, I think that I do a pretty good job of it, but I'm nowhere near as accountable as I could possibly be. I still, I still make mistakes with it all the time. Um, it's something everyone can improve on. Everyone kind of wants, you know, it, it's human instinct to blame something else for your problems. So I would say that those, those quotes are super impactful because Really, you could take them and apply them to any part of life, not just basketball. But when it comes to basketball, it's everything. Um, those those quotes, like quotes like that, really just embody how you should act as a player. And 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 if you if you listen to that and you say, "Oh, that's garbage," you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah, for sure. And looking into the final question of the podcast for today. So here's the last question: What things have you learned about the game of basketball? and the coaching business during the COVID-19 pandemic. You can go into depth on this too. Of course. I mean, I've learned so, whether, whether it's coaching, the game of basketball. I mean, I, I, I've kind of jumped into so many different initiatives during this uh, pandemic, whether it's, of course, Xavier is a huge thing for me. Um, that really, we weren't able to do much during the pandemic with Xavier. But like, like I said, with communicating with players, that was a big thing with it because, look, we're not in season, but I still want to shoot you a text and see how you're doing. How are you holding up? Are you... Are, 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 you, are you losing your mind in quarantine, especially at the beginning when, when you really couldn't go outside? Um, how's your family doing? Your parents, they're a little, they, are, they, are they in the at-risk category? Your grandparents, how are they doing? I want to know, right? Because not, not just as, as, as for show to pretend like I care, it's because I really care. Your parents are, maybe, maybe we're talking with their parents, their parents are great people. They've always been nice to me. The parents kind of, of love me. So I, I really care about you as a person, but also not just you as a basketball player, but you, like what, what's going on outside, outside of the game, your family, your friends, how are you doing? Um, so that that that's kind of the biggest thing for Xavier, but there's so many other initiatives. Whether it's, of course, the podcast. I mean, I, I know we already touched on that. I've, I've learned so 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 much from that, and it really podcasting changed my life completely. And I can't wait to see um, it change your life too, Lee. But then let's go take a step further. So you know, I, I keep on talking about all these initiatives. I can kind of go into them. Um, with X2 Performance, I've been a sports and marketing, uh, a sales and marketing intern for them. Um, for the last few, for the months dating back to October. And it's it, it's been surreal being in a small team of about five to six people that since has grown to about eight eight or nine. 
um, with, with, with it's the CEO, director of, 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 of marketing, director of, of sales. And then there's me, right? And I, I'm, a, I'm a 20 year old intern. I don't have the experience that they all have, but I'm learning from them, right? I'm hearing the lingo. I'm hearing, okay, how, how do we structure a meeting, right? Because I'm used to uh, the, the biggest meetings I've ever seen are, are in the meetings when I was in, in high school or college, right? With, with my friends or, or maybe with a professor, or maybe there's a professor with a small group and we're trying to accomplish a goal, right? When I was a freshman at, at Stevens, we, uh, wrote, we wrote a book uh, my freshman year. Um, about Gen Z, it, it's funny about Gen Z, and it all comes full circle with me doing Gen Z hoops now. But we were we did a whole thing about Gen Z, and we were in a small group. We broke things up, but there's like I, I'm shocked as to how much direction there is. And obviously, it's because it's, it's a professional company with X2. Um, everyone's just so locked in and communicating well and in tune. It's a well-oiled machine. We have our daily stand-ups every morning. We go around the horn and see what everyone's up to, but then also, okay, this is our time to talk to each other and say, okay, this is what I need from you, from you, from you, from you. And we have, we actually, there's someone on staff who takes notes of everything that's said, right? Not, not transcribing it, more so like summarizing the action items, right? And that's something, that's a phrase, it, it, it's crazy to think about it. And maybe if you're, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're a professional, it's, it's second nature to you. But to me as a 20 year old, it's brand new where, Okay, now I'm gonna get an email afterwards. John, these are action items. Create this PowerPoint. Research this company. Right, that that those are my action items. Um, we all we're we're all holding ourselves accountable to completing these action items, which I know it all comes back to accountability, right? But that's that's something that's huge to me. Um, the fact that we're all on a stream and we're all communicating in a way that I, I'm really not used to. We're we're getting, we're we're, we're completely on the same page in a 15 minute meeting every morning. Um, and it, it's time to the second. Like we don't we can't go over because now the CEO has to go into another meeting at 11:30 or whatever time the meeting the meeting starts. So really, that's that's kind of the biggest thing I learned is to how the corporate world works in that case because it's it's so it's so important to learn that at a young age. Because if I didn't have this opportunity, I would probably graduate from college, go into my first job, and be hit with it there. Now I'm getting hit with it here. I understand it now a few months in, and I'm ready for whatever life throws at me and whatever the whatever the sports business throws at me. I'm moving, I mean, in terms of some other stuff, I mean, I've learned so much from everywhere. Recently, I started doing stuff with the Boardroom University um, as a brand ambassador and also hopefully um, doing some other things for them. Um, and, and that's something that, that's it, it, that as a sports media company, they're one of the best in the world. And really getting to learn from people like Rich Kleiman um, and, and, and seeing what they, what they do. And of course, my, my, my good friend, Alex Scheiman, um, who's been, who's a director of collegiate program. He's been a, he's been a great help to me throughout my, my journey in the sports industry. Learning from them is, is surreal because it's kind of crazy as to how much um, all the, like 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 there, there there is to this, right? It's not like you look at it from the outside; it doesn't look too expansive. And then you, you t- you're actually on the team, and you're you're hearing how they talk about okay, we're, we're you know, our launch and this, and you're like, wow, this is actually how it happens. Like in your head, right? You go to see them. For example, uh, boardroom boredom does a lot of things with 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 movies and 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 uh, short skits and productions and, and streamable shows. And when you see them happen on TV, you're like, okay, whatever. It's some, some they, right? It's it, it's some otherworldly thing. It's a third party. But now I'm actually in it and seeing how it gets done. It's surreal. I can't tell you, Lee, how much I've learned from these experiences. And those are just a few to, to name a few. There's obviously, of course, whether it's helping, you know, uh, other podcasts that I've that I've that I've uh, helped with. Um, there's also things with Super League, which is the which is the training organization that I that I, I coach when I'm a part of. There's, I mean, there's a million different ways that I've tried to do in my sports business. I, I can't even forgot Bearcat Sports Business Club. That's that's been the biggest thing over the last week for me. Um, before that, we were we were we were winter break, but now that the semester starting in terms of school, that's a huge thing for me too. And I'm I'm learning as to how college students work because I it's funny. I spent the whole twenty all of 2020 seeing how both. It's kind of trying to get to see how Gen Z works. And now I'm actually starting this club in my school and now I actually see it. Okay, wow, we're all 20, 21 years old. We're all trying to get into the sports industry. 
this entire group, right? How are we going to do it? And, and I, I, as the president of the club, I'm tasked with figuring that out. Um, I'm, I, I hope I'm doing a good job so far. We've had a couple of really good guest speakers. We are trying to do some good events with MSG boardroom. Of course, we're trying to get a, a part uh, doing some stuff with them there. Um, NYU sports business society has been great for us. And we're trying to expand our partnership there. I mean, to really get our students at Baruch, um, some the recognition they deserve and, and something they wouldn't have without the club because this Baruch's not a sports business school, right? Um, very, very few schools are. So we really, it was a huge emphasis for me to really try to make something out of it. Um, and, and that's, it's, it's crazy how I forgot about that with everything else that I'm talking about, because there's really, my goal was just do as much as I possibly can in the sports industry, and then I'll figure it out afterwards. And right, right, right now, I'm still, I'm, I'm still not even close to figuring. It out. I still have a, a long way to go before I take a step back. Say, okay, wow, boardroom X two. I did all these things. How do I put them all together? I, I haven't figured out how to put them all together. Hopefully, I find out soon. I um, mean, it comes into an opportunity with the NBA or something like that. that. That's my dream, and I put it all together. But until then, that's kind of really the the lessons I've learned from just a, a crazy, crazy year, a blessed year because I'm, I'm I'm healthy and safe, and so is my family. But definitely a crazy year in terms of just really understanding myself and finding myself and 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 where I fit into this industry. Thank you so much for sharing that, and I appreciate everything you said during this podcast. And I'd like to wrap it up by saying thank you, and taking the time out of your day to speak with me about. Like what you do for bat, what you do in basketball, and just like everything about like going so much more in depth than that. And just thank you again. And I would like to thank all of my viewers for watching this. And I hope you guys have a great day. And this podcast will be out to the public very soon once it's uploaded. Thank you so much for listening in and have a great day.